Today on Jam Session, we're going to celebrate some women we really like. That's right. It's a celebration. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Juliet. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see you too. <laughs> How lovely. Um, we are going to talk about a wide range of topics today. All gals, <laughs> um, kind of. And that includes Lauren Conrad and just kind of like millennial aesthetic, which I'm like honestly really excited to dig into. We okay. are going to touch on frequent jam session heroines, Chrissy Teigen and Emily Ratajkowski. And first, let's talk about my beloved, America's beloved, Shonda Rhimes, who had a bang-up Hollywood Reporter profile last week, following in the tradition of the Ellen Pompeo Hollywood Reporter profile. Amanda, what'd you think? Loved it. This is extraordinary stuff. This is the kind of thing, and this did happen... um, a a few days ago last week, and it was kind of timed. So I, uh, we didn't get to talk about it on jam session, but I did get to talk about it with everyone in my personal (laughs) life. And this is the one where it's like, I texted you texted, you know, every other group chain I'm on your group chain of one Juliet and (laughs) texted, you know, was like recounting it at dinner, have just been reflecting on my own relationship to the work. I really commend Shonda Rhimes for being Shonda Rhimes. So the big reveal in the story was that she left ABC after 15 fruitful years, at least to the outside eye. I I think one takeaway, by the way, is just like working in network television is crushing. It is like really hard work. Yes. Um, She left after 15 years because um, she'd created incredibly valuable IP for herself and for more importantly for ABC, which is owned by Disney, which you may know has a theme park business, including Disneyland. Or did. Or did. Until 2020. Still still exists, kind of. It's part of Disney's problem. Um, 
And actually, I can speak to this uh, from a point of um, personal experience. I, I too, was once a Disney employee when I worked at ESPN. And part of the perks of working at ESPN are you get 50% off at Disney hotels if you go to, like, a Disney location, one of the parks or cruises. I would absolutely never go on a cruise, but that's what you're interested in. Go for it. And you also get the famed silver pass you. And if you're married, your spouse gets one as well. The silver pass allows you and three guests to enter any of Disney's theme parks for free. There's a few stipulations. You must be present. You, the employee or you, the spouse of an employee. I I will say it's like very like marriage, um, supremacy, but whatever. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, you get it for free. If you are caught giving someone your pass, like if you are caught not following this, not only the spirit, but the absolute letter of the rule, you will lose your silver pass. They're really serious about it. In addition to the silver pass, you also get like two tickets that you can give out per year. And like they roll over. So some people like will store them up for years or if they're leaving, they'll give them away, like whatever. So Shonda Rhimes, honestly, I'm actually kind of surprised that she got a silver pass as and working with ABC. Cause I doubt she was a straight up employee of ABC, but it probably was part of her deal. Um, she got a silver pass, but she wanted another one and she was denied. And as a result, she went to Netflix. She took her talents elsewhere. So I, I, we got to dig into this because I want to talk about the, the story itself and the details that she provides and, and the experience And then I also want to talk about how she tells this story in this narrative, because all of it's extremely uh, inspiring to me. So she talks about this pass and she talks about wanting an extra pass because she knows the rules that you just explained, Juliet. And she's telling The Hollywood Reporter that she wanted her sister to be able to go and take her children because she's not able to go. Because as she says to The Hollywood Reporter, I have things to do. Uh, like I, I have several shows to make, um, but she knows that they're not transferable. So she emails a friend, not a friend, but like someone that she works with her contact at, at Disney. And it's like, would this be possible? And right off the bat, Disney gives her a hard time. They're like, we really don't do that. We're very strict about that. On the one hand, that is true. (laughs) Okay. And, and, and I, and on the one hand, I think that's great because treat all of, you know, treat your employees equally. And I, th- I think that's that's good. But also, as Shauna Rhimes herself points out in this piece, she brought the company two billion dollars, uh, give or take. It is Shauna Rhimes, with with all respect, uh, Juliet. I think you would be the first to say that, you know, Shonda, in a in as a former Disney employee, you would possibly understand that Shonda contributed a lot to the company. Um, yes, and th- things you're very grateful for. So they give her a hard time. And then they're finally like, okay, we'll do this. And then her sister and children go to the park and only one of the passes works. And so she calls again to have it resolved and finally makes her way to a Disney executive who I believe says to her on the phone in her memory. And as she recounts to the Hollywood reporter, which is an important distinction, don't you have enough? is literally what the Disney executive says to Shonda Rhimes, one of their biggest and most consistent moneymakers, while her family member and children are standing outside Disneyland trying to get in. I also want to add, 
if Shonda Rhimes were married, she would have two silver passes that worked. And I do find that discriminatory. It's a really crucial point. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, but putting that aside, whoever is taking this call and being like, what I think I'm going to do is tell Shonda Rhimes off over a Disney pass while the children are standing outside the gate has clearly not been trained in, you know, people management or common sense 101. That's insane. How are you still employed? You know, I think if you read between the lines, they don't identify the executive in question, but I, I believe the Disney executive is no longer employed at Disney. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, so that is, and Shauna says, I literally, I said, thanked him for his time, hung up the phone, called my agent and was like, you get me a Netflix deal or I'll find a new agent. And that's how she tells the story. And I don't think, I, I think this definitely happened. And I think this is an amazing story, but she does also seed within the piece. She had already been in negotiations with Disney for a long time. They were already lowballing her. Um, she does talk about how worn out she was and the demands of network TV, which I think are very real. So I, there is obviously even within this piece and even within Shonda Rhimes telling a story, um, it's clear that a lot of factors were leading up to this and that Netflix was already on her mind and things were not going the way that, uh, she wanted them to. And it probably was not only the Disney pass incident, but leave it to Shonda Rhimes. Just narratively, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Don't you also want to be able to do something as, I wouldn't even call it spiteful, but it's, and it's not even payback, but it's just kind of, there are so many instances we all go through life where we feel disrespected. We don't really feel like people are taking us seriously or we're not being heard or this is, you know, everything. And you never really get to shove it back in people's faces and be like, no, actually, you will treat me this way. And this is how much I'm worth. And I just find this so extraordinarily beautiful and right out of a Shonda Rhimes show that uh, this is how she chose to respond to the Disney pass incident. I, I found it very Arya Stark. I was like, this is what Arya Stark would do. She would like find the right time to get her payback. She'd come for you. She's just a great storyteller. I mean, that's the thing about Shonda Rhimes. Like ultimately it's like she has a gift for narrative and, and you know, there's a lot of like rumors out there about how involved she is with the various shows that she does now and the legacy shows she has on ABC. And like the rumor for a while was, that she would write the premieres and finales of Grey's. Like she had really stepped away from the show. I think the showrunner now is Krista Vernoff. Um, although they still have a lot of continuity of like the same producers since season one. And like the rumor was that she would come in for the premieres and the finales, like I said, and like that was kind of it. And I kind of believe it because Grey's has such incredible season finales, even when it's like completely outrageous, they are like really well done stories and so much comes together one of the best season finales like of any show ever was um, I think it was season eight when they had seeded this plot of a man bringing the gun, a gun to the hospital. And then Derek gets shot and Christina has to operate on him while Meredith is having a miscarriage. It's like really good television though. That sounds really over the top in this moment, <laughs> but it's really, it's really well done. And she's just like, she's incredibly savvy. I mean, she, she, there's clearly a Shonda Rhimes press push going on right now. Are you like, what was your feeling about the story coming out? Because we've talked in the pod about Bridgerton coming to Netflix. Finally, I'm curious, like what you think is happening in the more broad Shonda Rhimes universe that they did this story. 
So I think that it is kind of a Shonda at Netflix curtain raiser because the the great Disney Pass incident um, is told and it's used in the story as the uh, lead of the story, which is the introduction, you know, and it sets the scene perfectly because, as, as you said, Shonda, a great storyteller, understands narrative tension, specific details you know, uh, the emotional connection that everyone's going to have to it and also how to move the plot forward. And this obviously moves the plot forward because the end of it is that her agent does in fact get her a giant Netflix deal. And now she's at Netflix. But I saw this as both um, getting ready for the Shonda season at Netflix because Bridgerton is going to debut, I believe, on Christmas of this year. And then next year is the Anna Delvey show, which is being treated as kind of like the prestige Shonda show within the umbrella of the many shows she has in development. Um, she had a doc coming as well that she EP'd. For yes. Them. Yes. And I think the other thing is that there has been a lot of change at Netflix recently, particularly in the TV and development um, space. And so a, you know, a lot of executive shuffle. And she's actually even asked about it in the piece and gives another just truly inspiring to me answer, which is like, I came to Netflix to be left alone and, make television. And as long as I get left alone, it's fine by me, <laughs> which God, I mean, God bless. Um, but I, I do think also she was put in front, um, at this particular press moment in order to remind people there is a plan, despite the executive shuffle that you've just seen. You, we have big names coming like the, there is a continuity of vision in place, even if some of the pieces are changing. Yeah, I I agree with that. I was like, okay, so they're trying to like signal like the beginning of the Shonda era at mm-hmm. Netflix, which I think mm-hmm. is cool, actually. I mean, I it, I also think it's like cynical. Like, there's like Netflix trying to um, project some kind of calm, I guess, or you know, with all the context you just gave. But I also was like, great, I'm excited for the Shonda Rhimes Netflix era, yeah. and I'm I'm here for it. Uh, I wondered also like how much she was aware of like that context, but this is like ultimately a win for Shonda. I think like everyone that I knew who who reads the Hollywood reporter was like, or would consider reading the Hollywood reporter was talking about this for like a few days. And it's just such an Epic story. And I, I do really consider it of a piece with the Ellen Pompeo, um, profile or first person piece from a few years ago, where she talks about getting ABC to pay her what she's owed and how Shonda Rhimes like taught her to do that. And it's kind it's kind of cool. Like, there's not a lot of like things happening in the world right now where you're like, I'm glad to be witness to this, but I am glad to be witness to like the Shonda Rhimes owning of television. That's great to me. I agree. And I am very pleased to be taken behind the curtain a bit because ask for what you're worth, advocate for yourself always. I completely believe that, but you know, it is, it's so interesting to also understand all of the, things that Shonda Rhimes like actually has produced. It's easier for me to wrap my head around like her 15 or 20 almost at this point, I think years of television, uh, than it is to understand like the intricacies of some corporate business that I've like never really been privy to. And so I can both see the work and then see the, the reward after the personal advocacy. So I, I think it's great. She works really hard. She puts out so much TV. That's the other thing. It's just so much stuff. And, and there's another strain in this piece about how she was like very nervous about the fact, um, that she didn't immediately start churning out 22 episodes or 44 or 
I don't know. She must have been doing like 60 years of television, 60 episodes of television a year at some point between Scandal. Yeah, um, she was. Murder and Grace. Grace. And, and Murder, yeah. And then they had some other shows that got canceled, like Above the Law, Off the Map, like just a ton of shit. And for everything yeah. that you didn't, that you did see, like for those shows, there's plenty of episodes that didn't air. I'm thrilled. I really enjoyed this. I just like it when someone tells it like it is. And I just like when someone has that, as you're right, Arya Stark moment in the Hollywood Reporter. And it makes it even better that Shauna Rhimes could definitely have afforded a pass herself. I just want to put oh, that yeah. on that. Yeah, like it, Shonda is well compensated. It's been documented and, and that's great. And she absolutely deserves it. But like she could have bought a pass, but no. And then they just screwed it up. I, I Tremendous. Great writing. How do you feel about auteur theory coming to television? Or not like coming, but having fully taken hold of television? You mean in the sense of it's a showrunner's distinguishable footprint over a series of of projects? Yeah, because she also like references as inspiration Ryan Murphy, who is also very Mm -hmm. similar, also went to Netflix from other networks. Um, Something that's been happening in movies for quite some time, like you're aware of like a director's oeuvre. And Mm -hmm. I feel like... I feel like we've, you know, now that we're like 10 years into this kind of TV craze of more than 10 years, 15, I guess, um, sort of the way that the showrunner has the same distinction as like a great director. Not that I ever thought one was like lesser than the other. And I don't mean to equate like TV with movies, but I just mean like that being a system that the TV economy is a part of and therefore the celebrity economy, like Shonda being the celebrity that she is versus like. I have no idea who made MASH. And MASH was like one of the biggest, most long-running shows ever. Sure, but you know David E. Kelly. And Love you David know e. Darren Starr. And you True. know uh, Aaron Sorkin, as as I do. Because the, as soon as you asked, I was like, well, you know, my favorite form of television is like writer, auteurist television in the form of Aaron Sorkin. Um, Amy Sherman Palladino is another. I think, you know, Shauna Rhimes being a, a woman and a black woman in particular is exciting and the the television and the industry has not always afforded uh anyone besides men that uh, white men that type of opportunity i think also a little bit more respect being put on writers mm-hmm. um which tv has always expect respected writers i mean it's a writers medium and the showrunners are, are usually at least starting in the writers room but, you know, I like talky things and I like things conceived by writers. So it's it's good by me. I think maybe you're referencing more like the celebrity celebrityification yeah. and kind of like the public perception as opposed to mm-hmm. the actual making of the TV. But um, I think it's great. I, I think in in a way it seems there's OK. I'm sorry. You don't care about this. But now you ask the question. I'm going to share it with you. There's a um, please do. A really great interview in in Vulture in New York Magazine um, with David Fincher, one of the actual film auteurs. Um, And he gets asked about a lot of things. I recommend it. But he's talking about he's asked about Pauline Kael, who was a um, a film critic in the 60s and 70s and very influential. And he's engaging with everything that she doesn't understand. And he talks a lot about how um, movies aren't as intentional as people seem to think that they are and that it's not like a NASA launch uh, and that things go wrong <laughs> and you're like trying to, you know, at some point, they, I mean, there, there is intention and there's vision for sure, but like 
it's it can't be as precise as like the alter theory presumes, if you will. And I think in TV, it actually is a little bit closer to the original vision because it is writer driven and there is a force consistency and uh, specificity in the medium. So in that sense, I think it's great that the TV creators are finally getting their due. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just sort of like interesting. It's funny to watch like a medium mature and not that we're mm-hmm. like at the, at the end of it by any means, but uh, it's just interesting to think about. I, it's so funny. Like Grey's Anatomy has been a fact of my life as I've discussed on this podcast many times for so long that it's just like when I see Shauna Rhimes having a big story, I'm just like, it's like a relative getting attention. It's like so exciting, but like, you know, I'm, I'm 34 and I've been watching Grey's since I'm 19. So it's sort of like amazing. Like that Shonda Rhimes and her, her television shows have been in my life longer than most of the people I talk to on a regular basis. So it's just, you know, I'm happy for Shonda and for me, it's great for my relative Shonda Rhimes. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by eBay authenticity guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, let's move on. Shonda, we love you. Can't wait to talk about Bridgerton, which we will in January, maybe a little before the guy in it really hot. Everyone follow him. As I said, okay, next Lauren Conrad. Um, Lauren Conrad's a personal fixation of mine. So I was <laughs> delighted when you texted me this morning, Amanda with her, a link to, um, her 
what Lauren Conrad can't live without in New York magazine, part of the strategist strategist is like the, the smartest kind of spawn con. Like it's like affiliate aff- affiliate content. But if you like buy stuff through them, they get like cut of it. It's not, sometimes it's more yeah. explicitly spawn con, but it's just like smart. It's consumerism. It's, sh- it's shopping recommendations. And I, yeah. and they have a specific taste and they also bring in a lot of experts, but I trust their taste more than I trust some other things. So I get in trouble financially when, when I read the strategist. Um, I mean, where do we even begin with what Lauren Conrad recommends? I mean, I guess I would like to begin with the start and end of her list, which are products I'm pretty sure she has an interest in. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is the Kristen S full size French pin set, which is like hairpins. Kristen S, as she says, has been in the Lauren Conrad's, um, world for a long time. If you follow Lauren, like I do, you are familiar with her blush pink packaging that has taken over the shelves at target. She's a Lauren's hair person. And she did her own line of stuff. And Lauren is just like, just selling them saying she can't first item. She can't live without are these hairpins. And then the last item is the Lauren Conrad beauty, the lip and cheek tint, which we discussed on this podcast because when she did her interview with Whitney port for Whitney's YouTube channel, Whitney was like, what can you not live without? And she said this lip and cheek tint. And I, I've never successfully used a lip and cheek as Lauren said over and over again for both my lip and my cheek. But I guess Lauren is telling me to dream. Um, so that's like pretty uncouth starting this list with like your own products. I don't know for sure that she has, uh, that she gets profit from Kristen S, but I'm almost positive. In Lauren's defense, the strategist at this point, this is a part of a a long running column on the strategist and they have famous people just talk about what they can't live without. And, um, I find it fascinating because you do learn a lot about people and how they live their lives by like what products they are, you know, items they use regularly and choose to endorse, but they do often feature people with something to sell. And what they do is usually, I, I, I'm not privy to the negotiations, but it seems like there is some sort of behind the scenes, like only one thing that is like your line, please. And if you could otherwise kind of diversify it. And so you can tell, you can tell when they're really talking to the person and when someone's put together, like a, someone on the team has put together a list of things that would like complement the brand vision that they're trying to sell or whatever you can, like you can gauge authenticity. And I would say that this actually feels relatively authentic. Um, well, there are- it's funny you say that because mm-hmm. about half the anecdotes that accompany these products, mm-hmm. I literally he- just heard in her interview with Whitney port. It's like, right. these are a lot, these are a lot of talking. Po- these are like Lauren's who I am talking points. Yes. So that's what I was going to say. I, there are personal stories. They've like been rehearsed, but they feel at least like they're attached to a person. Like there's something about, you know, having to pour over coffee because her husband's friends was like, would you be open to me sending you more eco-friendly like coffee things, which I I don't know if I would roll into someone's house and be like, let me offer you some more eco-friendly ways to make coffee after I've been staying (laughs) in your home. But I do support anything that, you know, anything eco-friendly. It's good to be thinking that way. So, but at least you can imagine it. Right. So that at least feels somewhat lived in. They all, you know, she likes to take a bath. She uses this, that, or the other. It doesn't seem like someone wrote a script for her. I disagree. I feel like these were like, 
Lauren, when people ask you X answer with a, and it's like, what do you do for yourself? Like here's one to insert your bath and wine anecdote because she just said this on the Whitney porn interview. Listen, I can't, I already can't believe that I've defended Lauren Conrad (laughs) as far as I have in this podcast, because I'm about to share what I texted you. But I will just say, again, people who are promoting stuff, who do a lot of appearances, you repeat yourself. You repeat anecdotes. Like, people do it on talk shows. People do it being interviewed. Like, you probably do it on podcasts sometimes, right? You got to do a few a week, and you're just like, you have one really great anecdote. Yeah, anecdote about what happened when, I don't know, you went to the grocery store and it taught you a lot of different things, some about The Bachelor and some about celebrity culture and some of, you know, so you just make it fit, whatever. So we'll give her that. But you're probably right. I'm sure that it was like media trained and workshopped. And I'm ultimately more interested in like what they were trying to communicate and like what the end results of the the media workshopping was because it really just feels like someone sorted through Instagram for the most popular products and color palettes and then just wrote like the most inoffensive, just like empty personal copy to go with it. And there's, there's no there there. It's all aesthetic. And the aesthetic is probably selling really well. And also that's what she's trying to sell. So there's nothing wrong with it. But I just found myself like really confronted with a summation of our generation and its online existence. Uh, yeah. And felt overwhelmed. <laughs> I, I think there's like this um, color palette of like that's the linchpin color is like a weird like oatmeal linen color that then has mm-hmm. like gray, blues, pinks and blushes. And that has become like this default aesthetic for women in like the lifestyle space that are trying to appeal to people like you and me. I, I saw it on the show dream home makeover on Netflix, um, which is, um, an extension of the Instagram studio McGee, which I didn't know though. They have like over a million followers and it's just like a real, it's, it's sort of like the direction that target housewares have moved in and I like target a lot. And if you get like one of their things or like two, like a tchotchke and a throw blanket, like great, really like, like add some flair to your home, but to like have your entire aesthetic, both on your person in your home and on your social media profiles, be like this, like blush oatmeal color palette and like brass and gold finishes and like saying you like kombucha. It's like a weird conflation of aesthetic and lifestyle that like, communicated through Instagram is totally depressing. And I think that's what you were responding to and also how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. And it was kind of like all of those trends folding in on themselves all at once. So, you know, the aesthetic that you're talking about is spot on and it was kind of famously um, identified in, and what I think is probably one of the great pieces of criticism of this year, if, you know, aside from like real world criticism, which, you know, we're, we're operating in the jam session sphere here, everybody. Um, which is Molly Fisher's piece on the millennial aesthetic and pins down like the actual visual signifiers of that aesthetic and also kind of the culture and the, um, consumer process that they've grown out of and also are shaping in real time. And I think it's just an extraordinary, insightful, um, piece of writing and also revealed a lot to me about, 
my taste and how it's been conditioned and how I learn things. Um, but I believe that that came out in March and it's, it's everything that you just described happening in real time. But, you know, the interesting thing is like, to some extent, we all started either dressing like that or looking like that or decorating or buying products that, you know, I'm going to hold up my new, like kind of sage green water bottle for you. And also, yes, it is a, um, what's the visco? What? Yes. Okay. The hydro flask and it, but it is a certain color because those are the color palettes that are available to buy now. And all of that is because you see it on Instagram and it's like readable on Instagram. As Molly Fisher's piece said, it catches your eye, whether it's like a big block of text or it's like a nice color and it's soothing. And then I, but because the way Instagram flattens everything's and it all kind of looks the same in one space and your eye is trained to jump to that thing because you're used to seeing the same thing on Instagram and then it's just filtered out. And so now everything looks like it, like, you know, restaurants and like libraries and you anything you buy. And then it's funny because that taste is then reflected back on Lauren Conrad, who is now trying to sell us stuff and just only sells you Instagram back to you. Yeah. And she just, um, I don't know something about Lauren. The thing, the thing about Lauren is if she were my friend, I would talk so much shit about her behind her back, but also like crave her approval for some reason, like Lauren Conrad, um, content, like just takes me back to being a a caddy 25 year old. I guess it's because when she was like principally in my life because of her shows. But the other thing that's just like funny about Lauren Conrad industries is like Lauren's aesthetic is so influential on me or it was like, just when I think of someone with running mascara, I think of Lauren. When I think of someone in a going out shirt, I think of Lauren. When I think of someone showing like their bra straps, like in a, in like just like a regular t-shirt, I think of Lauren. And so it's just so funny that like her aesthetic has evolved into something that's like so ubiquitous and boring and to use your word flat when she was such like a lightning rod of like emotion and, and like of a moment. It's that's also kind of depressing. I don't know. I, when I first watched that Whitney port interview that I forced you to listen to me talk about, I was like, wow, Lauren loves her life. She's really happy. And now I'm just convinced that Lauren is like acting out happiness and is actually like very also dead inside. Oh, I think she's happy. See, and I think she's probably a nice person, but like maybe, maybe, and it doesn't really matter by the way, because we don't know her and we don't like actually try to speculate on people's like private lives in that respect. Everybody has good days and bad days, but I think like I sent you this and I was like, I don't know what this is, but also I don't totally care because I never invested in Lauren and the, in the first place. She was always just kind of like a blank, inoffensive girl who didn't go to Paris. Frankly, once she was the girl who didn't go to Paris, I was like, well, we don't have enough in common because I would have gone to Paris and you did. <laughs> so I like send good luck to you in the wars to come. And but because of that, I am just kind of fascinated by like her continued existence, like in the, in the middle, it's really hard to not offend someone in 2020, you know, you don't, you don't get anywhere anymore by appealing to everybody. You like, you're supposed to have a point of view. You're not supposed to just kind of be floating there. 
And it just kind of seems like she's floating there being like, hmm, seems like people, you know, like these, like these, these pretty colors in their hairpins, like hairpins. I'm sure they're really great. Why are you paying $12 for hairpins? Anyway. I liked the fact that your hair changes texture every seven years. As someone whose hair is currently changing texture, I was like, is that true? It was true for me too. I I mean, she talks about a lot of how her hair texture changes while pregnant, which I don't know anything about, but the, but yeah, I do think my hair was very different when I was in high school. I don't, I don't know. Just, that's just one woman's confirmation of science. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. I feel like I was mean to Lauren too. I mean, I I just, you know, you just, you're hard, harder than things that you love. Lauren Conrad, you'll always be a part of my life. That's beautiful. (laughs) Um, On a more serious note, Chrissy Teigen today posted a lengthy, beautiful essay on Medium about um, everything she's going through since she suffered pregnancy loss with her son, Jack. And she, you know, uh, pretty famously posted a photo set on Instagram of her in the hospital in the immediate aftermath and has been pretty quiet by any standard, certainly hers on social since. Um, And she wrote a really long piece that, that I think to both of us was like pretty impressive. And for me, I was just amazed at her kindness and moreover how much she values kindness. And I found that to be very, very beautiful. Yeah. I was really moved by it. I was late to this recording because I I wanted to finish reading it. Um, she just shared it today and I, I think, you know, we didn't talk about the initial events because, um, it was incredibly sad and I don't, I didn't really feel that you or I had anything to add except sending, you know, all of our best to Chrissy Teigen and John Legend and their families and what is, was just like a, a tremendously sad time. Um, and I, I didn't have anything, it was theirs to share and I don't really feel like we had a lot to add. And then I certainly didn't really feel the need to participate in the conversation about whether it should have been, um, public information or not, which people on the internet, decided to do. And I mean, couldn't be less interested in those people's perspectives um, and couldn't have found them to be more beside the point uh, as, as well as uh, hurtful and judgmental. So we kind of left it be, but um, she engages with not just that conversation in this piece, but in the decision to take those photos and the reason that why she shared what was and continues to be just a personal tragedy. And it is generous, as I think, as you said, is the, the right word. She talks about um, wanting to take the photographs for herself. Um, and she, she writes that it seemed like John Legend didn't really even understand in the moment, but that it was something that she needed to acknowledge for herself. She writes that she couldn't care less about anyone who hated the photos, um, but they were there for herself and for, and for people who needed to see them, because I think certainly like any loss, but pregnancy loss in particular, it can, can often be so isolating. All of these issues really surrounding pregnancy and pregnancy complications and, and child complications are, are more, uh, private. I mean, they're private, but they're, they're isolating that people yeah. don't always feel like they can share them. And so I think she understood that and also needed to do it for herself. And I, I find that really courageous. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that you put out that is very hard to put out in the world, but also so perceptive. And I was so, um, impressed also with the, the, the precise and open, uh, 
and insightful ways she writes about her grief and she writes about why she is sharing these things and what it means for her to be doing this in public. And it's, it's really singular and beautiful and I'm appreciative. Yeah. She's, she's pretty amazing. I mean, I I think being a public person is really hard. She's subject to so much criticism for many different reasons. Like also like just part of it being an Asian woman who's famous is like, you know, not, not that common. Um, and yeah, she's just incredibly impressive and like, just like immensely, immensely strong. I mean, it's kind of cool that we've so far discussed like these three uber famous women, all of whom are really different. Like, and have different accomplishments. And I, I think like, it's a kind of a, you know, a testament in some ways, to like the ways that women um, are allowed to be have, have evolved. Cause like, if you look at, you know, Chrissy Teigen, Lauren Conrad and Shonda Ryan, so they just like, kind of, it's like the, like the, the widest spectrum of celebrity within like the, the, the Los Angeles world. And I, I really admire Chrissy Teigen for finding the, the way to be like, as beautiful and sort of like sexual as she is while also being as smart and rigorous and like warm as she is. I think that's just like a really hard thing to do and to continue to channel that, um, while she's just suffering through like immense grief and also like thinking about other people and wanting to thank them and what their experience is like, is just like you said, really beautiful. Yeah. I think it's very hard to navigate her level of fame and quite frankly, the level of feedback that she gets as a result of that fame. Um, and still to, uh, stay generous and also honestly to, to even have any sort of understanding of your life and what's going on, much less in a time of extreme grief. So I'm grateful and, and, and continue to, to send them all our best because that's, um, it's a continuing process for them. Absolutely. Um, kind of similar in the same world, Emily Ratajkowski guest of the pod, former guest of the, on the pod announced in the cover of Vogue that she's pregnant and did a photo shoot and a short film and wrote a whole piece about it. And, uh, I, again, I, I, we wish her congratulations. And again, it's yeah. like another, another cool model of celebrity of like someone who is evolving in front of her eyes and like also really owning her own story. I mean, it wasn't intentional, but like you look at these four women who we've discussed today and they all in, in different ways have like modified the model, the model, no pun intended of celebrity within their own sphere in a way that's like pretty powerful by like demanding to have their own voice. And, and through most of them, I mean, even critic Lauren, she's got her YA novels, like through like owning their voice and writing a lot. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we should say since, um, Emily was on the podcast and in addition to announcing that she's having a kid, her book is also confirmed and I believe is coming out, um, next year, but it, it, it was announced. So I, yeah, I, congratulations to them. I hope, I, I hope all continues to go well for her. Agreed. I also can, remains a great writer. Really enjoyed her Vogue mm-hmm. piece. Yeah. You know, it's nice when we actually can be celebratory for once instead of just criticizing people or feeling bad about the world. So thank you to <laughs> Shonda Rhimes, Lauren Conrad, Chrissy Teigen, and Emily Ratajkowski. We appreciate all of you, especially Shonda. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.